All right, Erev Tov, everybody, on the eve of Parshat Chukat, looking at um, a battle, uh, a description or a poem written about a particular war that was fought and won called the Battle of Arnon. Um, and so let's just try and uh, describe what happened, at least according to Midrash, as well as according to um, the Psukim as well. But the Psukim are very cryptic, so we need we need Midrash to understand what's going on over here. Now, if you have a Tanakh in front of you, or Chumash in front of you, so um, we are looking at Perek Chav Aleph. Perek Chav Aleph, let's say starting um, starting at Pasuk Yud. Starting at Pasuk Yud. Um, yeah, so this is this is where the sort of the the story begins. But let's um, let's give a bit of background over here. Now, Am Israel would ideally like to move toward Eretz Israel, and um, and they'd like they'd like to take a shortcut and and move through the. The nations that 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 will make that will that live on the, you know, on the start on the so-called uh, eastern side of of Eretz Israel. So, but the easiest way, if you look at if you look at the map, just for argument's sake, so the map shows you that um, that bold line is Am Israel traveling parallel to the Dead Sea, uh, but we're coming in from the side of Moab. So we come up from the Arava, and um, that's where it, that's where you're out there. Yeah, sorry, my mistake. That's my mistake. Sorry. Okay, no worries. Um, so if you have a look at the map, we we come up from the Arava, and there's Edom on the right hand side at the bottom of the map, and then there's Moab above them, and there's Ammon above them. And, and those three cultures or countries, kingdoms, Edom, Moab, Ammon, you know, these are famous, these are famous uh, empires at the time. Now, they, from a map's point of view, they, uh, they parallel to Eretz Israel. So we need to get, we need to get into Israel. Um, and in theory, we could come straight up, as you see the bold line does. And then if you want to cut either before you get to the Dead Sea, the bottom of the Dead Sea, so you could cut from, you know, places like Botstra and Tofel, you could cut left and, you know, go towards, go towards the, you know, the west and uh, cut into Eretz Israel there. That would be like the simple way of doing things. But Akosh Baruch for whatever reason, took us down this, up this road. And we uh, we come now. Edom don't let us cut across. Moab don't let us cut across. We get to Ammon, which is above Moab, and uh, in theory we could cut across at the you know uh, in a straight line going left from places like uh, Heshbon and El Alei, and you could go straight across um, to the left um, and get into Eretz Israel that way. So when you cross over, you can see if you draw a straight line going west from east to west, you can see there, you know, if you draw a straight line, at least according to the way of the map, this map is um, given to us, you can you can cut across from Beita um, Yeshimot and you can go all the way left and you could just get there. You'd be a little bit, in, you know, a little bit, a little bit south of Gilgal. And there's, you can see Yericho is just there, Jericho, as you know, is, one of the, the first battle that they had. That's where they, the first war they had when they crossed over, they crossed over there to get to Yericho. But in order to get to Yericho, they're not just going straight left. They, um, they, they've got to go all the way up towards the, the Nachal or to the river Yabok. And that's like the tributary of the Jordan River. And then they, and then they, and they come, you know, they've got to go all the way up past the Bashan, like to the north of that map, 
um, it, it's it's the, it's a real journey, and they they're traveling parallel. They're going north, parallel to Earth Israel, and never allow. They aren't given permission to cut left to go west at all until they get all the way um, all the way through, you know, to uh, to the to the Yarmouk River right at the top there, you know, by the by the Kinneret and Har Tavor Chavot Yair. This is the this is the area that's there. So it's a it's a really I mean. This is exactly what I'm so questioning all the time. What I question Baruch wants from him by schlepping this journey out for so long instead of just cutting into Israel and because you're traveling, you know, south to north parallel to, to, to Israel. And nevertheless, this is how Hashem has uh, deemed it for us. And we, we understand that part and parcel of this journey is, is, to, is to correlate with Am Israel's spiritual level and their compliance with halakha and the problems and of emunah that they have and all of this just perpetuates this journey before they actually get into Eretz Israel. and uh our said this week Pasha Chukat is really um the last part of the journey after the the sojourn of 40 years in the desert is up and now Kosh Baruch Hu, um recommunicates or starts the communication again with Moshe Rabbeinu and he moves towards Eretz Israel and waiting for permission to cut across. Of course, as we know, Am Yisrael sin and Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron get into trouble. Uh, Miriam dies. And, uh, and, and the fact that the journey continues and doesn't allow us to cut through the, the nations that we could easily have, uh, have taken a, a shortcut through. We had to ask permission from them. The fact that all of this happened is a siman that um, Akush Baruch wasn't ready for Klal Yisrael to go into Eretz Yisrael yet, uh, and, and that's that's the problem over here. There's a there's a, there's a, a, a subtle and uh, tragic story here that um, that uh, that we that we we can't, we can't get into Eretz Yisrael when we sh when we should easily be able to do so. So that the idea of the long journey is because Klal Yisrael aren't worthy of of uh, shortening it and and getting into Eretz Yisrael. So. You know, this is as far as the map goes, and um, it just shows you what's really happening over here. Now, when uh, when we get when we get to um, a point where we try and convince these cultures and kingdoms to let us come across, we find they all resist. So, number one, it's degrading for us to have to ask permission. We could, in theory, just go in there and wage a war. But as we've said, the fact that we can't wage the war is because Amishal aren't ready. They haven't learned the lessons they need to learn yet. And um, they've got problems with their emunah. And, uh, and therefore, Hashem is keeping us longer in the desert. The fact that the concept of Mashiach has been uh, postponed for now generations on end. In theory, Moshe Rabbeinu could have been Melech Mashiach, but he's not allowed to be anymore. And uh, Amishal don't deserve it. Therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu has to die, die out in the desert. And um, the whole history has to now roll on. And, and part of the siman, of sort of Ajik, uh, gives us over in one of his shurim, part of the sign of not being worthy of, um, of, of having Moshe Rabbeinu as Mashiach is, is that, you know, um, we have to ask permission from, from Edom, from Moab. Uh, you know, we're not allowed to go to war with these people. And so therefore we carry on the journey up and uh, Edom Edom basically tells us to get lost, uh, and therefore, as a result, we can't cut west, and we go, we go, we continue going north. Um, then we get to Moab, as mentioned, and you see it on the map there. Um, that will be the easiest place then to cut west again. But here again, we're not allowed to, um, forbade us to cross without getting reshut, without getting permission, you know, from, uh, from, from. From Moab, we don't, we don't have to start up with him. Um, so this is this is a you know this this is part of the problem. Am Israel are really at, at the at the root of this problem here, um, and therefore even though this you know there was a deal with Moab as being a descendant of Lot, we're not allowed to touch him. We can't start start up with him. And uh, the same the same attitude was extended to Ammon, which is now on top of Moab. And um, 
you know, there's slight nuances, differences, how we approach them. Um, but bottom line is that uh, when it comes to Amon, we're not even allowed to uh, intimidate them on any level whatsoever. And so we couldn't even come there as a bunch of soldiers where we were identified as threatening them and they'd have to come to war against us. Not like it was, um, you know, we can't do that. That's part of the uh, the so-called punishment, if you will, or to the, the kind of reaction that Akush Baruch is teaching us that we have to see ourselves not yet worthy of, of, of a war that will bring Mashiach in and see us going to Israel completely sovereign as uh, as we would have hoped. And, and and therefore, we have to negotiate with each of these cultures before we, before we get in. Okay, fine. So we come, uh, as, as we tried with Edom, um, we tried to uh, negotiate with them. We'll pay them. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do whatever it is. Just let us go through. And uh, the, the watcher called Edom said no, without any justification. There was nothing that we had, we had with them in, you know, going back in history. But the people from Moab and, and Ammon, there, there's some sort of justification um, possibly you could find uh, for their refusal to let us go across. Um, but anyway, this is this is a part of the the, the issue. Um, now, I so now I shall try and uh, they got to avoid um, they got to avoid going into Moab. They got to avoid going into Ammon. And so now Hashem directs Klal north, but it's a little bit northwest, right? It's not a straight line exactly, but it's um, it's uh, it's taking us um, past past uh, the land of Ammon and into the land of Sichon, Melecha Emori. So fine, this is this is this is where uh, we we go now. The the you know the the Emory the Emirates they uh, they they are not protected by any treaty going that, that happened in previous history uh, and therefore if the if the Malchaya Emories refuse us uh, safe passage through Hashem gives us permission to 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 attack so um, this is this is a uh, this is one of the very first instructions that Akash Baruch gives Moshe Rabbeinu um, after the, you know, after the incident of the Miraglim. So there's like 38 years in between, you know, this mitzvah, if you will, to go into into uh, negotiate with M, with the Malchai Emori to get into Eretz Israel. Okay, fine. So what does the 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 pasuk tell us? So the pasuk tells us if you look at um, at Pasuk Yud uh, in Perak Chaf Aleph in, in uh, Sefer Bamidbar. So, yeah, we start to, to read a little bit of what goes on here. They come to a place called Ovot. Uh, the, the Gaon has a comment over here, the Gaon of Vilna. Um, he tells us that um, the, the word Ovot, the root word of it is Oyev, enemy. Um, and and ultimately he, the the word represents that these people were enemies not just of Am Yisrael but of Akosh Baruch Hu, more than us they were totally anti monotheism. Um, so this is this is the the these names giving you all these kind of ideas. You know they they go to Avot. And it tells you how, where they're traveling, gives you all these, these different points on the map as to, as to what's happening over here. And each one of these names start to allude to something that's happening in the relationship um, between Amishol and Akosh Baruch Hu, or these, these non-Jewish uh, countries in Akosh Baruch Hu. So um, um, the Midrashim just point this all out as to that these names have, have meaning as far as we're concerned. They're not just labels. Um, anyhow, eventually we get to the place called the, the the Arnon River, and this is what we sort of going to focus on a little bit of the story. And this is the Nachal Arnon. So, um, if you if you if you look at the map, 
So you, um, let's see if we can find it for you. So just, if you look at the, just towards the top of Moab, it's, it's, in, a, it's, a, it's in the territory of Moab. So there's a river that runs perpendicular from the Yamamela, from the Dead Sea. Um, and you can just see it in the, in the map there called uh, the Arnon River. Um, I hope you can I hope you can see that just towards the top of the territory of of Moab. So this is this is what happens over here. Am Israel come to this place, and the, the psukim tell us that pasuk Yud Gimel Misham Nasau Vayachanu Meiver Arnon Asher Bamidbar Ayotzei Mikvul Aimori Ki Arnon Gvul Moab Bein Moab Vayin Aimori. This is the river that we're talking about. It's it's this border, you know, of the ter of Moab's territory. Okay, so that that's what happens over here. Now, what does the pasuk tell us in pasuk Yudalid? It tells us that we pass this location, um, and uh, the pasuk then goes into a very cryptic description of something. Al Kain Yeamar b'sefer milchamot Hashem et vahev b'sufa. So yeah, this is like a, a you know, a cryptic, po po a poetic kind of description of something that happens over here. And this is exactly what we want to try and uncover here. What what happened? What what's going on over here? So there's a there's a there's a book called Sefer Milchamot Hashem. You know, this is the question is, what is this book that's recording, you know, history over here? You know, what 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 is the nature, you know, of of, of this book. So this is what we, that's the first thing we have to understand. Then what's written in the book is Milchamot Hashem. It's, it's, the, it's a history of sorts of the various wars, you know, that, uh, that were fought, that Am Yisrael fought. Um, so okay, fine. This, this is the way that we preserve the, the history of this particular of this particular story. Um, and it's got to do with the battle at this Arnon River. As the Pasuk says, uh, the, book of, the book of the wars of Hashem, the Sefer Milchamot Hashem, tells of the miracles that took place. And uh, the one way of interpreting this Pasuk, what were, the, what were the miracles? So the first major miracle is the destruction of the Egyptian army that Am Yisrael witnessed as they crossed over the Yamsuf. And that is at Vahev Besufa, the miracle, the war that was given over uh, Besufa at Yamsuf. And, and, and the next major uh, war, to, you know, which was similar to Kriyat Yamsuf, it, it was such a big miracle that maybe even, you know, compared to, to the Kriyat Yamsuf is this, what happened over here, you know, in the in the in the valleys of uh, of Arnon. So this is this particular story over here. You know, it's implied that there's a major miracle that took place over here. So what do, what do we uncover by looking at, at at the midrash? So this is what our midrash tells midrashim. Different midrashim tell us. So, like this, the Malchai Emori, right? The Emirates, they receive intelligence about Am Yisrael making a move toward them, approaching them, and trying to come through them, just like they try to get through Edom and Moab and and Ammon. And so, what happens is they this the Malchai Emori. They they want to go to war against Klal Israel, and and the place that they choose to to fight Am Israel is at this um, Arnon River. Now, the, the 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 description that you have about this Arnon River is uh, is this, and that is that the Arnon River flows through a very a very narrow ravine between two two massive mountains. Um, and they just, the Midrash describes how this particular ravine was so narrow that 
but it was almost like it's this ravine snakes around and and the description in the midrash is that um you know the 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 what you call you could actually stand on one mountain and talk to somebody else on the other mountain you could shout across and everybody would hear you so that's how close the the actual two mountains were so am israel are now forced to go down through this ravine in order to make their move northward of course what was engineered that this is what's going to happen so the the Medrash rabbi tells us but rabbi tells us that there was that there was a, a decent amount of distance to be traversed through this route um and we're talking about you know four miles that's you know across this very difficult terrain now the Malchai the, the kings of the, the Emirate kings, they essentially um, designed, they, they took, they, they developed a strategy to, to ambush Kalisrael as they snaked through this particular ravine. And, and in order to do this, not just to get them, but to get them by surprise, they, they put all their soldiers, their archers, up onto the ravines. Uh, in uh, sorry, in yeah, in the mountains, there were so many caves that were well known there. So everybody, all the soldiers, the enemy soldiers, were hiding in these caves, armed to the teeth. Then there were then there were Chirnikim, you know, foot soldiers that were that were were, were lying in wait in, in ambush at the end of the at the beginning at the end of the river. And the idea was to come and as they went through, lock lock from the back. And then hit them at the front and from from the from the top. So it was a, a tremendously um, well thought through strategy, and uh, it had major potential to destroy Klal Israel. And uh, this is why it's it's compared in terms of the level of danger to exactly what was happening um, at at, at Kriyat Yamsuf. So so what happened exactly? So Hashem performed a miracle, and. Uh, there are two different angles of how to appreciate the miracle based on, again, different uh, Agadic uh, Midrashic comments. Um, one, one focus, it could have been that both things happened, but one focus was as follows, and that is that um, allowed the, if the Aron Kodesh would pass in front of them, um, so whether it was the Aron Kodesh or it was the, the cloud some people say the cloud wasn't around yet. The cloud had already disappeared and it was only to join them later. But either way, the job of the cloud would have been, and Aaron Kodesh achieved uh, a smoothing out of all the terrain that Kali Israel traveled on. So whatever, whatever problems there were there, there was this miraculous um, um, miracle that smoothed out everything. Now, yeah, the question was whether it was the Aaron that, 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 that smoothed it over or it was uh, an even more blatant miracle. And that is that Akosh Baruch Hu moved the two mountains together. So either, either it was like both mountains just moved across the ravine and the two mountains were designed in such a way that, that the trees on spikes and rock formations on the one side would fit almost exactly into the ravines and caves on the other side. And so as the two mountains moved together miraculously, um, every single cave was now rammed, closed, you know, with, with rock formations and, 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 and trees, etc. And it basically, it basically crushed every single enemy soldier um, and, and, and just left them absolutely pulverized. And uh, and that's really what is happening over here. So, Am Yisrael arrive at this particular place, and um, they they see nothing. That they're not aware of what's actually happened. So something is interesting over here, and that is that um, that there there are again two different approaches here as to how the information came to Am Yisrael. You know, how did Amishal find out about, about what happened here? So 
one of so one of the, the Midrash Rabbah interprets as follows, and that is that we all heard of the Be'er Miriam, which is the which is the stone, the, the well of Miriam. What, what was it? It was a stone, you know, and this particular stone, boulder, whatever you want to think of it as something that rolls, a big, a big stone. It, it, uh, it miraculously um, was a water source for Kali Israel all of our time in the desert. When Miriam dies, the, this stone becomes, you know, empty of water, it just dries up completely. However, the stone follows us, you know, um, while we go up toward Eretz Israel. So this stone does some strange things. So all of a sudden, according to the Midrash, this, this bear Miriam, as we get to the river and we're coming down towards the river, this stone just like starts to roll and it bolts down toward uh, the river. And now, whatever miraculous power the stone has, but it always served Talisol as, as, a, as a source of water. So it's as if this boulder, you know, goes into the river, absorbs all the water in the river, and then all of a sudden, um, it, then, it then literally spits out the water, like fires out the water uh, in a kind of a tsunami-type scenario where this ridiculously high-pressure um, wall of water is, is smashes against the mountains coming out of this barrier Miriam. And as a result of the force of the water, the water basically cleans out every single, it fills every single hole that's, that is already filled with mountain. And it then, either the mountains go back, they retract, and the water then flushes out everything that's in any crevice there. So all of a sudden, the miracle of this, of this water force against the mountains um, essentially creates this river, and the river brings with it you know, all the debris that was there. In this case, it was the, it was the, the, the soldiers of the Malchaya Emori. So all of a sudden, they... Um, Kosh Baruch Hu exposed Am Yisrael, who were, who were completely unaware of what had happened over here. And all of a sudden, they see this absolute carnage, you know, just float past in front of them. And, uh, you know, and, and, and once they had, you know, crossed to the other side, then Hashem now allows them to see what took place. So that's one way of describing the, the miracle. The other way is that Kosh Baruch Hu you know, sort of inverted the mountain and, and exposed the, the ravine below. And then, you know, um, and at the same time, this, this, this boulder of Miriam is like, is like, like rolling around each crevice, crevice or cave and just washing everything out. And so you see bones and bodies and a river of blood, which, uh, which eventually Amitral understood that this was part of the, Part of the miracle that, that that's what happened over here. So anyhow, this is this is the miracle. So it, the miracle, as defined by the midrash, is what I've mentioned to you. And as a result of this, once they saw that they were literally walking into a trap, which was lethal enough to wipe them out, and of course Baruch performed this miracle uh, and saved Kali Israel. So this is they they wrote this up and they and they sang a song. You know about all of these things, and this is exactly what this pasuk Yudalad says: Hashem." You know this story, You know the story which is as powerful, if not, you know, parallels the, the miracle of the Yamsuf and the Nachalim are are known. This is, um, you know, this is how this uh, in the cryptic words over here. It 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 uh, it speaks to this this particular story, and the psukim carry on as well to highlight and praise and and you know the the, the miracle that came through the rock, and this bear Miriam over here is 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 mentioned. Um, you know the bear Miriam is mentioned, and there's a there's a song about this 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 well as Yashir Yisrael Tashir Azot Aliver Enula. This is this is the bear the concept of this. Bolden and the miracle that took place with it is um, 
is mentioned over here as well. So that's the, if I can call it, that is the, the graphic story that you find the, that you find in the Midrash. And that is how uh, one interprets or translates this particular, this particular, you know, sets, uh, this particular Pasuk. Now, there are interesting opinions as to what the book was. Was it a specific book that's exactly, uh, you know, completely a book that we don't have anymore? Um, but it was a book that was um, telling the story. Was it the Torah itself? Was it Sefer Shmot, which spoke about the miracle of the Yamsuf, and then they had this, you know, appended to it? You know, what, what exactly is this particular book? This is a Machloket Rishonim. It's exactly what it was. Um, Okay, so that's let's call it that is the that's the midrashic approach to what to what happened over here. Now there's a detail which um, which has a sort of a deeper dimension to it in terms of how Am Yisrael were um, became aware of what happened over here, the miracle of uh, the Nachal Arnon. So this is uh, this this is this is the, the the story. So the story goes that. When you look at the Pasuk again, the story needs to be told. And how and, and what's the story? The story is um, now we translated until this point based on Rashi. We're talking about you know what was given at at Yamsuf, you know, um, and um and the and 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 the, the Nachal Arnon, the valleys of yeah, of of Arnon. Now here comes a deeper interpretation. Uh, so the 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 Gemara Masechet Brachot of Nun Dalad um, gives us a different interpretation of what goes on over here. And this is the interpretation. Just before Am Yisrael entered the entered Eretz Yisrael, so the Malcha Emori, one of these this. Uh, it's one of the Canaanite nations over here, laid this trap for us. And they either create, or there's already natural uh, caves that are there, and they, they hid there to ambush us. Now, um, the Aaron Kodesh, you know, smooths the way for Klal Yisrael uh, throughout the desert in general and takes care of this. So when the Aaron uh, ar arrives at this uh, Dachal Arnon, at that point in time, Let's call it the Aaron, the Aaron precipitates the crashing of the mountains coming together, which killed all the, the, the in the Chayalim of the Malchai Emori. Um, and, and now Amishal are traveling through the Midbar, you know, unaware of what happened. But says the Gemara at the at the end of the of the of the, of the at the end of the of the of the encampment, you had all these people traveling through the Machane, the entire people, the Machane of of Klal Yisrael, you know, moves through, and as they travel through, so they have they have people that are at the end. They almost like they people that are not in the the main machane for whatever reason. And one of the reasons could be is that uh, says the Gemara that people who were mitzoraim lepers, spiritual lepers, they weren't allowed to uh, travel within the machane. They had to be quarantined outside the machane. So there's a certain amount of space that um, they sort of can see the Machanet travel, but they're not allowed to be part of the Machanet. So just like Miriam, when she spoke Lashon Hora, was quarantined with, with Sarat outside the Machanet, but because of Miriam's contribution to Klal Yisrael and her righteous nature in general, so all of Klal Yisrael waited until she could rejoin. But there were other Hebra who were lepers as such, who weren't on the level of Miriam. And therefore, you know, they were always, they were forced to be at the, at the back. So the Gemara tells us that there were two such lepers at this point in time. And, uh, and, and, and who were the two lepers? Says the Gemara, the one guy's name is Et, and the other guy's name is Vahev. So, so when you look at the Pasuk again, and you see that the Torah cryptically says that you must tell over this miracles, miraculous story of a miracle, a miracle victory against the enemy. Um, and it says, Et no longer does the Gemara translate it as what was given at Yamsuf. Nah, not going to do with Yamsuf. This is about what happened now. What happened now was that you had these two guys, Et and Vahev, 
you know, someone's got to talk to their folks about giving decent names, but but the names here are important. The names, uh, we always interpret that the names aren't necessarily the names given to them by their parents, right? The parents aren't going to give them these kind of names. Akosh uh, Baruch was giving them these names because of who they represented and what happened with them and what lesson we can extract from them. So yeah, we've got two characters, two lepers. We don't even know who they are, but they're lepers they're at the back of the machane. And the Torah is calling them, Hashem is calling them Et and, and, and Vahev. And these two Hebra, they were the last to cross through. And it was these guys who saw, all of a sudden, as they crossed through the, the river, they saw um, the, the carnage. They saw all of a sudden the river turn absolutely red. They probably got the, they probably got the shock of their lives. As they were about to cross through, they're thinking to themselves, you know, Surely somebody would have warned us. But no, all of a sudden they saw the, the river turn red right in front of them. And then they see all the body parts and the crushed limbs of the enemy soldiers. And then they are the ones, these, uh, these lepers, they're the ones, Et and Vahave, they're the ones who actually, uh, you know, see what's going on here. Yeah? And they're the ones who realize that a big nace has taken place here. Yeah? And therefore they come along and they, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure now what happened here. I'm not sure what the din was. I'm not sure that they just ran back into the into the machane and say, "Hey guys, you just do you know what happened?" Or maybe they finished their, their their quarantine and when they eventually rejoined the machane, they were the ones who reported to Amitrel, "Hey guys, listen, we got to tell you something. You know, we we just saw this biggest miracle happen, and it from and at that point in time." Once Et and Vahev related the story, then, okay, as Yashir Yisrael, um, the, the, all of Khal Yisrael were motivated to compose a song and, uh, you know, and, and sing it in praise of Akush Baruch Hu's rescuing of Khal Yisrael and salvation from the Malchaya Emori and their murderous soldiers. So that's what, that's what takes place. Now, Interesting now is what, what do we do with this? What do we do with this concept of, of the, that there's two people called Et and Vahev? You know, what, are, what does it really mean? So I'll just share with you a, a Hirush that uh, is in the writings of Rav Cook. He has a very insightful approach to this. And, um, and he says like this. He says, let's interpret this allegorically. And we need to understand what is a... What are the wars of Akosh Baruch? So he says the wars that Akosh Baruch wages as such are generally, or at, in principle, they are ideological battles. They are Torah values that fight against the you know, paganism um, and any other type of uh, you know, twisted ideology. This is really the wars that Akosh Baruch you know, is fighting. Now, sometimes you find that the battle's out in the open and everybody can see the conflict between various cultures and, and, and lifestyles. But other times, the danger lurks in areas which the parable is of the crevices and caves in the mountains where there's like danger waiting and, and you know, it's, it's the danger's there, but you can't see it. Kalisal travel through it, but don't really perceive how dangerous uh, the exposure to that particular culture and, and value system is. And, and the Yetzirah is just waiting for an opportune time, you know, as Amishrael passed through, so to speak, you know, to, to attack, to try and, uh, you know, to, to expose and to uh, addict Kalisal to a lifestyle which is anti Torah. And this is the Milchama of Akosh Baruch. Now, says Rav Cook, sometimes, sometimes one has to appreciate that even though you feel that there are spiritual lepers of society who are hanging out on the fringes of Kal Yisrael, and you start to think, you know, what spiritual contribution can these guys make? The irony is, is that after the process of tshuva, or even as they are, Mitzoraim lepers, but sometimes you know you don't you can't write them off. There's always there's, you know don't write Kalal Israel off. Even the people who, who seem to fail 
you know, the, the Arava of Klal Israel, you know, the Arava Jew. He's not an Etrog, he's not a Lulav, he's not a Hadas, he's the Arava Jew. He's the Chalbana in the, in the Ketoret, the one who's not very pleasant to be around. But in every single Jew, there has to be some sort of spark from Akash Baruch Hu. And sometimes, even these who are not in the actual Machane, but on the edge of the Machane, um, sometimes they are the ones who are able to, to see with a different uh, viewpoint what, what Kalishal are about to face. And so, yeah, it's interesting that Rav Cook's trying to work to try and understand what these two lepers represent. What, what do they see? So, again, I'm not, I don't want to put words in his mouth here, but let's, let's just say that in the huge argument about Zionism, which um, the people on the fringe of Yiddishkeit are the passionate Zionists, and and uh, and they're warning everybody about you stick around in in Europe you're gonna you're gonna die over here. You wonder how how Akosh Baruch Hu, you know designs that that people who are anti-Torah and are not part of the and are on the wrong side of Akosh Baruch Hu's milchama are able yet to contribute and say okay you know I, you know let's set up a, a, a haven for Klal Yisrael to flee to you know even though that haven is not uh, nearly developed. Uh, you know, as a, as a world of Torah, you know, as 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 Europe is. I'm just giving you, a, for instance, as we say, I'm giving you an example. Um, anyway, so Rav Cook doesn't say this in this in this uh, explanation of the Agarita. He he uh, he rather he actually focuses on 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 European values, the Western world's values, you know, more than the Zionist uh, example I gave you. Rav Cook talks about. The, the culture that is represented by the two lepers, um, and he, he sees it. He sees it like this. He says he says that these are uh, philosophical differences um, and fights that Klal Israel were having with the Western world, um, and it and it and it, it's expressed in these two areas. He says the the real fight, the two major battles, were are contained as a metaphor. In these strange names of these two lepers, there's leper one et and leper two vahev, and they represent, you know, two major um, philosophies, Western philosophies that Am Yisrael passes through and has to do battle with, so to speak, not to lose, not to lose the commitment to Torah and Aloha, um, you know, as they as they are exposed, you know, to this. So look what he does here. It's really, really genius. It's insightful. He says like this. He says, the word et, he interprets the word et. You know, he says the word et is normally called, a, it's an auxiliary word. It's got no meaning of its own. It's like an adjunct to something. He says, however, he says, but the, the original word, et had, another, et had another meaning. And if it had, if you put a mem inside, um, it spells emet, truth. So you have all these cultures in the world trying for millennia on end to try and represent emet, truth. And if it had the mem inside, then itaka would be emet, but it doesn't have it. So it represents those challenges that come from new ideas in, in, in science, in technology, in, in knowledge. So it is related to its it's trying to be an expression of absolute truth. It's related to truth, but it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the mem. The mem possibly represents, you know, the, the concept of forty, the, the 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 entire world of spirituality uh, that 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 is contained in the concept of forty, the the mem of the mikveh and the forty sa'ah and the rebirth of the child and all of that is contained in the mem. And everyone's trying to understand how the world works and what's it all about, and and and. And that is missing. So when, when people take out a Kosh from the equation, and then it just becomes et. So, so uh, et is the letter without the mem, and therefore it only becomes an auxiliary to the truth, but it lacks the ikar, lacks the substance of what, of what emet is. So it represents science, re it represents knowledge. That's what the Western world was, you know, is built upon. You know, it's almost like we, until, until the, the Holocaust, we, you know, Rational man was was enlightened man. Askala was all talking about knowledge maketh the man. You know, if you have the knowledge, you can cure everything. Whether it's scientific challenges, whether it's economic ills, whether it's morality, 
you can, you just have to you man knowledge makers the man that's and that and that and that was sort of undermined in the Shoah completely. You know, the most cultured people became the most brutal. That that was the that from emet to et. Now, and then he looks at the, the next word where he says uh, vahev. So yeah, he says that the word vahev comes from the 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 word. It's the root word of ahava, love. Um, it's the Hebrew letters have the same gematria. So the mixing up of the letters, you know, indicates that this is a, a form of 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 uncontrolled uh, and distorted expression of love and passion. And then vahev therefore represents the struggle between Torah and uh, and the Western world's view of of intimacy, of sexuality, of of, you know all of that, so it's like it's like the two battles that Kali Israel um, are exposed to almost without realizing it, just by traveling through history and 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 becoming part and parcel of the non-Jewish society in which we live. We we're fighting these two massive ideological battles: the battle of of where knowledge sits and where man's you know, you know, ego gets the better of them, and that as a result of our unbelievable knowledge, we start to see ourselves as demigods. And then the morality on the other side, which is fueled by all these, you know, woke ideologies, etc. And this this became the the two battlefronts of Kali Israel. And this is the Milchamot Hashem, which we need to understand as to how to do battle with them. So the two adversaries are at the 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 scientific viewpoint, you know, the age of reason and rationale, Haskalah, and then the Vahev, the hedonistic uh, lifestyle that was uh, that, that that became developed, the uh, you know, the cabarets of life, the you know, the, that's really what happened. It's it's almost like a reflection of the beginning of time, where you had uh, you had you know, a sort of basic as in an essay, the two quests of the human being is 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 the Addiction to power and uh, and pleasure. Power and pleasure. Uh, so it's a kind of a, a similar story over here. And these are the two major quests that the human being always is looking to to uh, to become master over. And and this is what the Torah is trying to teach Kalisal as they go through it and teach us through the Agaratas what we have to what we have to we have to we have to be very careful. We sometimes don't even see the danger until it's too late. And and only and only the the value system of Torah um, can actually can actually um, smooth out the way. The Aron Kodesh, which houses the Torah value system, this is really what you know what, what defended Klal Israel against dangers that they didn't even see or aren't even able to be able to to uh, you know to understand. So this is you know this is using the idea that. You know, the combination of all these metaphors, who let Talisrael know about this? Who saved Talisrael? So it's the Aaron Kodesh creating the, the coming together of the mountains, crushing everybody in there. And then there's the, you know, he doesn't talk about the Bear Miriam being involved, but we're just going to say that the Bear Miriam, you know, is part of the exposure. It's like flashes out all these, all these crevices and caves and brings it all to the fore where Et and Vahev, the two lepers, are able to see the danger that Kalisrael missed, and uh, and in Rav Cook's interpretation, that the you know the etan behavior represent the areas where Kalisrael sometimes can't even see the danger. You know, it's like uh, the big debate we always have. Let's say we, we put other metaphors to this. We talk about the exposure to to TV or in our childhood or to the internet or to or to uh, you know before before our time in the world of the universities. Uh, you know, non-Jewish culture, you know, all of this, this there were debates within Klal Yisrael as to where the danger lies, do, you know, do you have Torim Derech Eretz, not Torim Derech Eretz, all, all these areas where, where Klal Yisrael themselves were, were battling it out, still to this day, all our scoffers are trying to, uh, you know, help us navigate these uh, these difficult battles, so to speak, you know, these these struggles. And so this is what Rav Cook sees through this uh I got it in the Gemara. He tries to then apply it to the times in which uh, in which he was living, and and uh, and we can take a lot a lot out of this from from the story. So, 
we, we, we have to really, we have to teach ourselves, our kids, that there are many enemies of Am Yisrael that, that go unnoticed. And, um, and, and, they, and they may even go unnoticed by people who are immersed in Torah. And sometimes you need people on the edge to come along and tell you, hey, listen, this is not what you think it is. You know, we're telling you what's going on in the Jewish world. It's like those of us who live in established communities uh, or proper mamash uh, from communities don't really know what's happening out there in Klal Israel, in the secular Klal Israel. You know, you don't, you don't really see it. And then, until, you have a, until you have a Shabbaton with people from the other side, from the periphery, the spiritual periphery of Klal Israel, who, you know, they tell you what danger lurks there and what the stimulation is doing to us. So um, sometimes it's those people on the edge of the Machane who are acutely aware of the struggles of Klal Israel, and they sometimes can witness, um, they can witness, you know, a salvation that happens to Klal Israel where those of us who are immersed in Torah sometimes can't see it. So, it's, you know, each person can sit there around the Shabbos table working out what do they think about this metaphor? What do what is what does uh, you know milchamot Hashem mean to them? What's et and vahev, and how 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 do you how do you apply it? Anyway, at the end of the day, the the main lesson is clear, and that is that um, these hidden adversaries are crushed by the Aaron Kodesh. By even so Aaron, by Yom and Moshe, Kuma Hashem, v'yafut soivecha, v'yanusim misanecha mitpanecha. These are not just physical enemies that you want Torah to lay waste to, but um, it, it's it's the, it's the ideology, it's the Torah lifestyle that is the defense uh, for us uh, as we enter into 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 Eretz Israel, and this is a, a sign for the future victory of Torah over its ideological and cultural adversaries um, in our times, and hopefully it becomes more and more um, a feature of our life as uh, as Klal Yisrael develops, and it should be such that we are able to rebuild and survive these onslaughts um, so uh, anyway this is the, the little bit I wanted to share with you um, on this particular uh, cryptic and difficult part of the Sedra to uh, you know to, to, to understand okay so um, I'll leave you there and wish you a great Shabbos and um, yeah stay safe during the holidays Shkach, Rabbi, thank you. Okay, call to guys. Bye-bye. I presume you're still having a share next week. Um, yeah, if I don't leave home and my wife's still around, she'll probably push me to do a share next week. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rabbi. Yeah, I'll yeah. try and do that. Ah, yeah. How's it, Asher? How are you doing? <laughs>